1: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is Episode 286, and today we are talking about books being released on November 17th, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com Tears a Hello, Hi, how are you this week? It's been a week, but yes, it's getting better. Good. Yes, I hear that.
2: November kind of started with, like, you know, a cloud sort of hanging over, and now things are starting
1: to look up, hopefully. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff going on here at my house. So sick cats and, you know, broken appliances, and it's just been a week. You and I actually commiserated for quite some time before we started recording. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to get it out so we can then, like, be like, okay, but books. Yay, we're so excited about books, which we are. Yeah. And, you know, we both... Got married during a pandemic, so that was fun to talk about. It's been a time. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to talk about books, which is my favorite thing to talk about and I will always talk about. Actually, before we do that, we're
0: going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Steve Aoki's Quest at your local bookstore or online at HeroQuest.com and catch Steve live on the Heavenly Hell Tour. Hero Quest is a graphic novel that is the story of a genetically augmented metahuman named Hero who travels into the multiverse 400 years into the future to save Earth from a disaster it cannot avoid. It has everything from mutants to robots to zombies to aliens witches and more it's a quest for ten rings of tremendous power from ten different worlds that will be needed to save our world from certain disaster it's an epic journey that will require the hero named hero to be cursed to save the lives of billions on earth it's a story of heroism wonder betrayal and finally revelation this is the hero's journey this is hero's quest so the story was imagined by the mind of Steve Aoki and written by New York Times bestselling author Jim Kruger and Steve Aoki. So make sure to check it out. And this episode comes thanks again to Steve Aoki's Quest at your local bookstore or online at HeroQuest.com and catch Steve live on the Heavenly Hell Tour. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's we'll read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets." But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and so many lies the relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more thanks again to entangled publishing's red tower books publishers of the smash hit fourth wing for sponsoring this episode okay so it's that time
1: i am so excited It is time, even though I know that I've already talked about this book like 400,000 times in other places, it is officially time for me to talk about my favorite book of the year. It is The Orchard by David Hopin. Just so good. So amazing. I'm sure that David Hopin is tired of people comparing it to The Secret History because... It has some similarities and that's what hooked me. So you have to like think like, well, you need something to get you to pick it up, you know, so let's get that out of the way right now. Yes, it has some similarities to The Secret History. I read The Secret History every year since it came out. That's 28 times now for those of you playing along at home. And this is the first time I have read a book that was compared to The Secret History that I found worthy of the comparison. Like that's how good it is. But now we're done talking about The Secret History, because this is an amazing novel on its own. It's about a young man named Ari Eden. He is a teenager. He lives in ultra-Orthodox Brooklyn with his parents. He's an only child. Basically, all he does is study and go to school and go to church and just talk to his dad about religion and talk at school about religion. And he goes to an all-boys school, and he he doesn't really seem happy. He has some friends, but he doesn't really seem very happy with them. He's also a genius, like off the charts genius. And so now he's nearing the end of his schooling and his father gets a job in Miami and they move to this very affluent Miami suburb and he starts attending this very prestigious school and he makes friends with this group of students who are like the elite of the elite. I mean, everybody at the school is pretty fancy. Everybody at the school, their families are super rich. Ari's family just happens to live in, like, a modest home across from, like, the richest family in town. And the son of that family is a really great guy. He really likes Ari. He invites him to be a part of their little clique. So, like I said, he's part of, like, this group of elite students. And they like to do things like drink and do drugs and pull pranks and hang out with girls. Like, this is all new for Ari. You know, he goes to school with girls and he develops an interest in one of the one of the students at the school. His parents are not happy about this, understandably. Like, he's changed. He, they don't know about everything that he's doing, you know, but he's kind of having fun. And for, like, the first time, he's enjoying himself, and he's thinking about the future, and he's in love, and he's realizing, like, I had no idea, like, what I wanted to do when I got out of school, and now maybe he wants to go to college. And he's also, like, very interested in, you know, his classmates, like, what they're doing. and. He has this, there's this one guy in their group who has like this very intense personality and he's severely troubled and he's kind of leading Ari and the rest of the guys down like some, some questionable paths. Like they're getting into a lot of trouble. And so their rabbi takes them on as like a study group and they sit each week and discuss religion with their rabbi and, you know, God, is there a God? And, And just like all these like brilliant conversations. And it's kind of like, what is Ari going to do with his life? You know, and, and is he going to continue following this group and get into more trouble? Or is he going to, you know, go to college? Or what's what's going to happen with Ari? I just, I fell into this book and did not come up for air until I was finished. I loved it so much. It's enchanting. It's interesting. It's so, so smart. The discussions of, like, God and the universe, they are so smart. Like, way smarter than I could possibly understand. But, you know, I do have the enthusiasm to talk about it, even if like, some of it probably went over my head. I loved this book. And I desperately await what it is that he's going to do next, because this novel is just fantastic. And it's called The Orchard, and it's by David Hopin.
2: You've talked about this book so much over the last, like, couple of months that I've actually, like, gone to recommend it a few times. And then I'm like, oh, wait, it's not out yet. But yay, now it's out. So I can recommend it. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. That's awesome. All right, so my first pick is These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. And I cannot think of this title without thinking of Westworld, um, because this these violent delights um, have violent ends is a line from Shakespeare that's often repeated in that show. And it's this title, and it's really um, a great title for this book. And it is a Romeo and Juliet retelling set in 1926, Shanghai. And when I first heard that pitch, I was like, yes, give it to me. So uh 1926 Shanghai is it's about these two crime families and one of them are the Sai's and it's Juliet Sai who's like this flapper she's very modern she has been away from Shanghai for many years and now she has returned home and she's kind of like the heir apparent to the um family and the Scarlet Gang which um they run and Kind of on the opposite of her is Roma Montagov. And he is also the heir of his own family crime syndicate. And so these two gangs kind of rule the streets of Shanghai. They are always like clashing, you know, trying to get um, territory, fighting in the streets. Like it's very deadly. You know, there is some violence in this. Just, you know, it's like action violence. But just as a warning, if that's not your thing, but... Uh, they these two kind of have like a secret sort of past, and they know each other. And the book starts with there's something that is roaming the streets of Shanghai, that is kind of mysterious, maybe magical, definitely dangerous, and it's killing people on both sides of this kind of, you know, clash between the two families. And in the beginning, Juliet hasn't really kind of seen it yet. She's not super aware of it. She's just returned to Shanghai after being away for a while. Um, but Roma is definitely noticing it. So he he kind of goes to Juliet and is like, look, something is is trying to basically pick off people on both sides. So we need to talk and we need to figure out like what this is. And it's kind of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of situation. And at first she brushes him off, but then soon she has to acknowledge, like, yes, this this is something that we need to face. And maybe I can work with you to figure out what it is. Uh, so I really have been enjoying the fact that there is some really great historical fiction being released this year that is, you know, set in countries that we don't often see um, featured or we haven't traditionally seen featured in YA historical fiction. Um I don't know much about the 1920s Shanghai. There's a lot of really interesting stuff about like politics. Um you know people are very in tune to what the Chinese Communist Party's doing. and there were a lot of um, like political powers at play. and that I just, you know, I didn't know as much about. So I felt like I learned a lot reading this book. And also, I really liked this whole like sort of supernatural, dangerous Romeo and Juliet twist that the author did. Um, is really, really great. So that is these Violent Delights by Chloe Gong.
1: Okay. My next pick is kind of a slim one, and I can't tell you too much about it, but it's so beautiful. I loved it. It's called Nights When Nothing Happened by Simon Han. And like I said, it's a slim novel. It's about Chinese immigrants living in Texas. Uh, the father of the family is a photographer. He suffers from terrible night terrors um, because something uh, has happened to him in his past that you know, It's not immediately known. Um, the mother of the family is a brilliant woman who gave up her dreams of getting a PhD in order to take a job that paid more uh, so that she could bring their young son, Jack, over from China. He is living with his grandparents. It's kind of like, I think, White Ivy. I read recently the same thing where the child stayed in China while the parents are working to get a visa for their for their child. So she's working this job. She's overworked. She's underappreciated at her job. Um, she's so much smarter than the people that she's dealing with, but she just has to put up with it. Uh, and Jack eventually is brought over, and when he gets there, they have a baby. He has a little sister now. He's six years older than her. Uh, her name is Annabelle, and Annabelle sleepwalks. It's a recent thing. It's you know she's it's in the future now. It goes back and forth, but like she's you know seven, I think. Um, she's been sleepwalking, and Jack feels like he's the appointed protector of her. Um, Because he is the one who has discovered her like when she's been walking around in the house. And also like he feels bad like for his father's nightly outbursts. And his parents have started sleeping in the bed with Annabelle because she gets up and moves around. It's basically the story of this family who is trying for the American dream. They're also unhappy. Uh, And, you know, the parents are not communicating and they don't seem to be getting along. And they're worried about the state of their relationship. And Annabelle is kind of like a wild, spoiled, overindulged child. Like she gets to do whatever she wants. She climbs into bed with her parents or she gets them to sleep with her. And it's about how something goes too far. It's sort of related to Annabelle. Um, Her misbehavior spirals into a dangerous misunderstanding and sort of shatters this already precarious existence that they are living in this town. It's sad, and it's lovely, and it's called Nights When Nothing Happened by Simon Hahn.
2: All right, so my second pick is The Lady Upstairs by Hallie Sutton. And this was a really interesting, um, sort of twisty book. It's pitched as like modern day noir, and I think that is actually, you know, sometimes people say, oh, this is kind of noirish, and that's not really accurate, but it's definitely accurate for this book. It's set in modern day, and it's about this woman named Joe, and Joe. Basically makes a living by blackmailing really yucky, bad men, like men who are, you know, sexual harassers or even um you know abusive. And she has like this entire setup where she works with her friend Lou, and they both report to this kind of shadowy figure known as the lady upstairs. And the lady upstairs really like calls all the shots and usually finds. Than Marks, and she has you know extensive connections. And Joe has never met the lady upstairs, although she knows that Lou um, knows who she is and communicates with her more. And so she is kind of like you know not sure who she is, but she thinks that she's probably like somebody high powered um, within Hollywood because this takes place in Los Angeles, and. So Joe is kind of beholden to the lady upstairs because at the beginning of the novel, you find out that Um, Joe and Lou did something that kind of got them into trouble. So now they have a debt. And for whatever reason, it seems like the burden of that debt has kind of fallen onto Joe's shoulders. And she's really, really close to paying it off. But that's when, you know, things start to go sideways for her. So first, one of her jobs, um, it doesn't doesn't really come through the way she wants it to. And So she is finding herself more and more desperate and she knows that she needs to pay off this debt or otherwise the lady upstairs is going to retire her. And Joe has no idea what this means. If this means like, oh, she doesn't have a job anymore or like she's in danger. So Joe starts taking like bigger risks and going to like greater lengths to deceive Lou and the lady upstairs in order to like pull off a major con and it seems like she might be able to get away with it too but then one of the marks gets murdered and that's when joe is like in serious trouble so i really liked this because it it feels like it's very thrilling it's kind of like you know got that me too edge um where they are totally just, you know, making life miserable for these horrible men who really do deserve it. Um, And it's got a lot of like heists and cons, which I'm always very impressed by these types of books because I don't think I have the imagination to come up with these plots. Um, So that is The Lady Upstairs by Hallie Sutton.
1: That reminded me that I watched a trailer at the beginning of the year for a Carrie Mulligan movie called The Promising Young Woman that looked so intense and good. Uh, and of course, forgetting that there's a pandemic now, so I guess it was pushed to next year. And I really want to watch it now, so maybe I'll read that book. Yes, read the book. I'm really sad for all of like the great, you know, content that's been pushed because of the pandemic. But yeah,
2: this sounds like it might might tide you over until then.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And just googling it now, they just released the soundtrack yesterday. Look at how timely I am. Ooh. Who knew? <laughs> nice. So. Now for something completely different. My next pick includes Pirates and Magic. Hooray! Two great tastes that taste great together. It is The Bright and Breaking Sea by Chloe Neal. Now, I know that Chloe Neal has other books, and just from peeking at Goodreads, Chloe Neal has some very rabid fans, but I have not read any other books by Chloe Neal, so I can only speak to this one. And I loved it. It is pirates and magic set in a Napoleonic-like time period in not really the world country. I don't know. The hard thing about reading this one was that It talks about, like, the travel on the ships a lot, but the maps were not included because it's a galley. So I just had to, like, imagine in my head, like, where these places are. But it is about the brilliant and talented Captain Kit Brightling, who is one of the only women captains in Queen Charlotte's fleet. Kit is really good at what she does. She knows how to handle a ship. She knows how to handle her crew. And she's also someone who can perform magic. Uh, She does... her her magic with water. She can use the sea to her advantage, which helps like make her ship go faster, which helps her find other ships out there in the ocean. You know, she can sort of like reach down into the sea with her magic and feel where things are or make the boat go faster. And she's really cool. She's super cool. Now the queen, Queen Charlotte, uh, has a new mission for Kit Brightling. She wants her to go retrieve a spy, her own spy, who has fallen into enemy hands and has been trying to learn some things about the old emperor of Galia, which is the country that they live in. But, unfortunately, the queen wants Kit Brightland to take the Viscount Ryan Grant along with her on this mission. And Kit sort of bristles at this because she was orphaned and raised in a home. And she's not thrilled about having anything to do with anyone upper class and makes all these judgments about Ryan immediately. But she does need him to complete this job. And he himself is not thrilled to be aboard the boat with the wild Kit Brightling. You know, he's heard the stories. But they kind of just have to trust each other if they want to get this job done. So there is danger and adventure. And it's just epic. I really loved it. I love pirate books. And I feel like I should read more of them. I love Cinnamon and Gunpowder. Like, I keep thinking about that book recently. And I would love to read that again or see, like, a movie adaptation. But I'm getting off track here. This one is fantastic. Pirates plus magic. It is called The Bright and Breaking Sea. And it is by Chloe Neal. Okay, so
2: my next pick is... Super Fake love Song by David Yoon, and David Yoon is um the author of Frankly in Love, which was his first um contemporary y a now I'm like okay, slight bone to pick with the marketing around david Yoon's books. Frankly in Love was one of the big releases last year, and I loved it like I listened to the audiobook and You know, I I like went into it because I was curious. It sounded interesting. And I was just like, oh, I'll give this a shot. And I was like actually really surprised by how much I liked it. However, it gets billed as a romance and it's not a romance. It's it's not a romance. And I want to like not give away too many spoilers, but like one of like the key conventions of a romance novel is that it has a happily ever after or happily for now. And Frankly in Love doesn't have that. So, okay. I got that out of my system. So despite, you know, my irritation about how that book was marketed, I was super excited for Super Fake Love Song, which is his second novel. And it is about this teenage guy named Sunny Day. And yes, that is that is a pun. Um, his older brother is Gray Day. And he is like this total nerd. Like he he calls himself a nerd and he is a very smart guy. He is kind of bullied a little bit in school, but he's got two really great friends and they love making videos about all of their wild antics and they put them on the internet and it's kind of like a streaming sort of live streaming sort of platform where if they get a certain number of subscribers, they could possibly get like sponsorships. And so they are really, really close to hitting that mark. And so they're hoping that they can they can do that. And um, Sunny's parents are like really wealthy. They own a big company and they are. Very email obsessed. He says they work 24-hour days. Like, they're always working. And you kind of get the impression that despite, you know, Sonny has, like, a really great family and he has great friends, he's a little bit, like, lonely. Because his older brother, Gray, has moved out of the house and lives in Los Angeles and is trying to become this musician. And his parents are always working. So... His parents have a colleague um, that comes to town um, from London, and he's going to be there for a little while. And he um, they bring their um, their teenage daughter named Cirrus. And so the parents kind of get together and they're like, Sonny, you should show Cirrus around, um, you know, her new school and kind of be her tour guide. And so Sonny's like, "Oh, okay," And it's a little bit like awkward being thrown together like this. But what ends up happening is that Sonny kind of has a major crush on Cirrus. She's very pretty. Um, she's very cool. And he really likes her. So pretty quickly in the beginning of the novel, Cirrus mistakes Sonny's older brother's bedroom for Sonny's. And it's like a bedroom full of like guitars and vinyl records and music. And she's all like, oh, my goodness, you're, you know, a big music fan. Do you play? And he kind of panics and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is all my stuff. I totally I, I play in a band like this is my band shirt that I'm wearing. And and she was like, oh, that's so awesome. I would love to you know see you guys play. And so Sonny's like, oh, crap. And he has to basically get his friends to agree to putting together – like, it's not a fake band because it is kind of real – but, like, putting together this band and then, like, actually going out and finding gigs for it. So, obviously, like, what could go wrong? That's, you know, totally, totally fine with all this deception and um, wanting to impress this girl – and it was it's really funny. I really do like David Yoon's um like writing voice. I think he's very funny, very relatable. Um there were lines like and they were just, you know, small lines about high school and surviving high school that had me cracking up because it was bringing back memories of my own high school years. So I really do um enjoy his work. I like this new book a lot. Definitely recommend picking it up. I listened to the audiobook, um, and it was really great. So that is Super Fake Love Song by David Yoon.
1: I have this. I haven't read it yet. uh, But I look forward to reading it because he has his first adult novel being published next year in May. It's called Version Zero, and it's already one of my favorite books of 2021 Awesome. It's about a guy who works for like a Facebook-like tech company, and he discovers this thing that he thinks is kind of a mistake in which they're sharing their user's info in a not good way. But when he brings it up, they fire him and get him, you know, blacklisted from all the other tech companies. And so he and his friends decide to get revenge. It's really, really good. Super dark. Like the end is super dark, but I loved it.
2: He's on fire, then, because he and his wife, Nicola Yoon, also are launching their own YA book imprint with Random House. Yeah. He's very busy. Yeah, very, very busy. But I, that's exciting. I think that he's a really, really great writer. And, like, I know Nicola Yoon's books were very popular, and people were just like, oh, it's just Nicola Yoon's husband. And it's like, no, no, he's a very good writer in and of it himself, like, definitely give his books a shot. I, I mean, this is just my personal taste. I, I enjoy them more than, you know, Nicholas books, but like, they're all really well written. So I'm very excited to hear that he has an adult book because I did not
1: know that. So I'm gonna go check it out. Yes. All right. I'm going to tell you about my last pick after we hear from our next sponsor. Okay. So I actually read a lot of books that I liked this week. But I had to save some for the newsletter. You know how it goes. Um, If you're not signed up for the New Books newsletter that comes out every Tuesday, you can do that in the show notes. I'll give the address at the end. So I am excited, though, because Jamie, who does our mystery newsletter said last week, you need to read this book, None Shall Sleep by Ellie Marnie. And I looked it up and it came out September 1st. And there were like Transcendent Kingdom and like Night of the Mannequins, all these great books that I read. I didn't get around to reading this one. So I was like, okay, Uh, you know, book about teenagers and serial killers. And it turns out it is one of my favorite books of the year. I could not be more surprised. Like, I just was like, oh, I'm just going to read this because she said it was good. I love this book. So let's get to it. It's called None Shall Sleep, and it's by Ellie Marnie, and it takes place in 1982. All of this is about serial killers and horrible, horrible things happening, so just content warning right up front, this is going to be in the discussion. So, it is about this agent at the FBI, Agent Cooper. There is a dangerous serial killer who has picked up speed in Pennsylvania. He is choosing teenagers as his victims, or I should say their victims, They're assuming it's a man, and... A.J. Cooper works for the sort of newly minted FBI behavioral unit. And he has this idea. He's thinking outside the box. And he thinks that maybe in order to catch someone who kills teenagers, he needs teenagers to help him. So he approaches Emma Lewis, who herself, she's a student, a freshman at college in Ohio. She is the sole survivor of a notorious serial killer from a couple years before. And he also approaches uh, U.S. Marshal candidate Travis Bell, and they're both eighteen. And he invites them to Quantico, and he's it's sort of under the guise that he wants them to interview these famous teenage serial killers. But after like, a couple of interviews, it turns out that he really wants hit them to help him catch what they're calling now like the Pennsylvania Butcher. And so he thinks that they can possibly give him special insight into this guy's mind. They're beginning to think that maybe even the killer himself is a teenager, but they also need to do something else for him, because he thinks that the person who will have the most insight into the mind of this killer is an infamous teenage serial killer named Simon Gutmanson, who is locked away in a prison for their criminally dangerous, and there's a small problem there, because Simon Gutmanson killed Travis's father mm. years before, before he was caught, so you know, Travis is obviously like, oh my goodness, we, you know, I can't go see him and we can't talk to him, you know, so Emma has to go alone. She's like, I will do anything, you know, and and Travis is of the same mind. He's like, I want to do anything to stop a killer, but I don't think I can talk to this guy, you know, so she goes in alone, and it's kind of like Clarice and Hannibal, you know, they're like, don't tell him anything personal, you know, don't give him anything, you know, he's like in this cage in the middle of a room, and at that point, it's kind of like Silence of the Lambs, but it's like teenagers, so it's like, Silence of the Baby Lambs, which is (laughs) redundant, but it's funny. I also started calling this nunshell Sheep. So anyway, (laughs) he's going to tell them things that they might be able to use to help catch this man. It's really good. Like when I first read the premise, I was like, okay, it's going to be like Silence of the Lambs and kind of like Mindhunter. And it's going to be teenagers and they're going to be like (sighs) about everything. And they're not at all. Not for one second did I feel like they were whiny or like being mistreated or written poorly. Like they're just like adults. And here's the thing, they are adults. And also it's 1982. So they're 18 years old, they can go out and buy alcohol, because that was the age limit back then. And and it's so interesting, I realized, like, I don't read a lot of fiction where the kids can just go out at that age, you know, it kind of reminds me of like Days and Confused, like they're buying beer at 18. But I was like, oh, yeah, they are technically adults. And I mean, you can compare it to a lot of things. I mean, it's like Silence of the Lambs, like Mindhunter. Um, There's like a Temple Gault kind of thing going on, like from the K. Scarpetta books by Patricia Cornwell. But I mean, it's solid, it's smart, and it's scary. I was transfixed the entire time. I thought like the killer was really creepy and scary. I thought it was really well written. And I loved how Travis behaved with Emma, because it's like 1982, and a lot of the adults are like, oh, a woman, what does she know? Let's just talk to the man, you know, and he never talked down to her. He never worried about her, like, you know, oh, poor Emma, you know, she's all traumatized, and I should do something. There was none of that whining. There was nothing like that. It was just fantastic, and I put the book down. and was like, this is one of my favorite books of the year. Huh. He really surprised me. So it is called None Shall Sleep, and it's by Ellie Marnie. Um, I'm going to need to buy that book because that sounds amazing. (laughs) It is! Thank you to Jamie for putting Uh, it on my radar because I don't know that I would have picked it up. Jamie's
2: awesome like that. She's always, like, sliding into my DMs being like, you need to read this book. And I was like, okay. And, yeah, clearly, clearly I need to read this book. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so my final book that I'm going to talk about is actually one um, I did not get to, but I'm really excited to get to. It was kind of like this wild sort of, um, I don't know, like, you know, the USPS is, is kind of on the struggle bus right now. And this book did not come in time. And I imagine that it's probably like, you know, sitting all sad and alone in some... USPS distribution center that is nowhere between where I am and where it originally started, because that seems to be the way that mail goes these days. But really excited to read it. It is I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are by Rachel Bloom. If that name sounds familiar to you, Rachel Bloom is the co-creator and the star of the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a hysterical TV show. I love that show so much. Um, It does a really great job of like deconstructing like the the crazy woman sort of stereotype and the crazy ex-girlfriend stereotypes and it's also hysterical and it's musical so yeah it's just it's it's funny because i would be watching that show being totally immersed and then like i would almost forget that like oh yeah this is a musical until everybody starts singing and dancing and then it would just make me so happy so this is rachel bloom's uh you know, collection of essays, kind of like a memoir type style essay collection. And apparently there are even poems and maps and, and it's just all about, you know, her life, where she comes from her inspirations, funny stories from her life and from her career. The little snippet says that it is about her love of Disney, OCD and depression, weirdness spanks and the story of how she didn't poop in a toilet until she was four years old um so knowing what i know about crazy ex-girlfriend i'm sure this is gonna be really hilarious i also love the cover you definitely need to google the cover um because it it's kind of like an illustrated in the style of like those 80s and 90s ya books Um, and it looks very retro and and it's pink and it's, it's funny. So I also love the title. I want to be where the normal people are. I feel, I feel like this is going to be a really great one and I can't wait for my copy to arrive, hopefully sometime soon.
1: So, and this is like wacky mix up because I have a copy of it (laughs) and you wrote it down that you were going to cover it. So I didn't read it. And uh, you didn't get yours. And I'm,
2: so neither of us have read this, but hopefully it'll be good. I I really, I think Rachel Bloom is really funny. And I, I think she's kind of self-deprecating. I remember watching um, a musical skit she wrote trying to get people to vote. And she was kind of like, you probably don't know who I am, but I bet you know who these people are. And then she had like a bunch of famous people singing and it was really great.
1: I watched, I think, the first two seasons of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I didn't watch past that, but I do sing Santa Anna... Santa Anna? That's not the word. I do sing Santa Anna Wins all the time. It's, like, one of my favorite yes. songs. It's That's just so ridiculous, funny. and I absolutely, like, I don't know who the actor is who plays the Santa Ana Wins. He's, like, the Santa Ana Wins personified in the show. But I love that song. Love it! I love
2: that song, too. My other favorite song is... I have friends. I totally have friends. Um, I sometimes (laughs) feel like singing that song because... You know, she's singing that as, like, she's trying to convince herself that she really does have friends. And sometimes that's how I feel about 2020 because I haven't seen my friends <laughs> in person. And
1: it's like, oh, yeah, I yeah. definitely have
2: friends. I definitely have friends. So, uh, yeah, this is really this is really great. I actually, uh, you know, I was talking with you. I realized I did make it past season two, but I don't think I've actually finished the show. And it's not because I wasn't enjoying it. I probably just stopped my subscription of whatever services it was on and now i feel like i
1: need to go back and finish you know i never saw frozen like when it came out and Mm -hmm. so when i watched that show i didn't realize that uh santino fontana was one of the voices from frozen (laughs) until my niece was much older and she had me watch it with her and i was like why does that voice sound familiar and then i looked it up and i was like oh it's greg Although I guess he left the show to do, like, the sequel to Frozen and someone else took over?
2: Yeah, he, he leaves for, like, a significant gap and then, yeah, they couldn't get him back. And, and the way they kind of, like – and this is how – I like how self-aware the show is because they know that like, they're bringing in a different actor. And so they, they do kind of play up with that and they spin it in a fun way. So, yeah. But he's good in
1: it. I always get thrown, like, when they change actors in roles. It takes me right out of it. I'm like, what? I know. I know. I like I really liked
2: Sensei and they replaced one of like the eight main characters for season 2 and it took me a while to kind of get over, you know, and get used to the new new character or new actor playing the character.
1: Can you imagine like talking to somebody from like the eighteen hundreds, the early nineteen hundreds being like, we watch these things and where people are different people and then they have other people be different people and it makes us sad. <laughs> we they could probably I think not really be
2: like, what is the future? What's yeah. going on?
1: I guess anything that's happening right now, if you try to explain it to them they'd be like, what? But <laughs> it's just like I just think like, uh, oh, strange problems. I don't like the new person who's playing the fake person. Yeah. Anyway, Those are our new books. Yay. What are you going to read next? I think
2: I'm going to read The Care and Feeding of Waspish Widows by Olivia Waite, which is a romance novel. And it's like one of the very, very, very few, um, you know, female, female romance novels. That are like actually put out by a big publisher. Um, Olivia waits also the author of the Lady's Guide to C- Celestial Mechanics, which I inhaled last weekend. So good! It was so good. Like it's not only just like a good romance, but like it's an amazing story set in. The time period and, and the way, like, everything just came together was so amazing. Um, so this is uh, her second book, and it has such an unfortunate cover. Like, I, I can't stand the cover, but um, <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I love I, – I feel like it might, like, actually damage this book's prospects because the cover is really bad, in my opinion. And I know a lot of rioters agree with me. But I, the first book was so good, I was like, of course I'm going to read it. So I hope people do give it a shot because I think she's a great, great writer and I'm excited
1: to read this. So that's probably what's going to be this weekend. Cool. I just got We Had a Little Real Estate Problem The Unheralded Story of Native Americans and Comedy by Cliff Nesteroff, who Vice calls the human encyclopedia of comedy. And it has a quote on the front that it is a remarkable book, uh, says Steve Martin. So I'm going to read that, I think. Yeah, I need to read more nonfiction. I did not get much nonfiction in this year, I feel, compared to fiction. I think that's my problem every year, and I probably say the same thing every year. But it's the truth. I don't know. I just like made-up stuff, I guess. I do, too. And
2: it's only been within the last couple of years that I've really gotten into nonfiction. And I think this Mm -hmm. year I've probably read more nonfiction than I ever have in the past. But I don't read nearly as much compared to fiction.
1: Yeah, I'm mean, going maybe that'll be my goal for next year. I try to set goals, I hardly ever follow them. I'm like, I'm going to read all of Kurt Vonnegut's novels again and all of Agatha Christies and it's totally unreasonable. Uh, I'm going to read all of my backlist. <laughs> it's like, what?
2: That that's not going to happen. Uh, to read all of Agatha Christie's books in a single year would be quite a feat. Although I say that and I gave my mom like 50 Agatha Christie books like 2 months ago and I think she's she's done with like you know, three-fifths of them. So they're easy reads, but... They
1: are, yeah. Yeah. And I've done it three times. I did it when I was eight. I did it when I was 19. And I did it when I was 32. So I c- you can be done. It Can be done, yes. All right, well, that's <laughs> giving me hope. You got to put a lot of other stuff aside.
2: Yeah, that's always a problem. Decisions.
1: Yeah. Well, we talked about books... And I, I'm, like, just chatting with you now, and I'm like, were we doing something? Oh, yeah, we're recording a show. Yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of year, 2020 brain. Yes, that's right. We have we have listeners. It's great. <laughs> yes, they and they are great, and I appreciate them so much. Uh, I heard from a couple of them this week, and I want to say hi to August, uh, if August is listening. And to Nicole, who thinks I should listen to, or I should read Pride and Prejudice, which I still have not read. <gasps> really i know i know i just said that to you as i'm saying and i'm like oh no because you have a pride and prejudice mystery series coming
2: <laughs> no it's it's like no shame like i've never want to like shame people for not reading something i just think it's surprising because you
1: are so well read i don't know i don't know how it happened i did i've read and sensibility i've read one jane austen um
2: pride and prejudice is is i think more engaging than Sense and Sensibility. Like, I
1: do like them both. Well, it's definitely her most famous.
2: But, you know, Sense and Sensibility was her first published novel. And in some ways, it feels like that. Um, But Pride and Prejudice, I don't know. For many years, I liked liked the story more than I actually liked reading it. But when I reread it a couple of years ago, I was like, this is so funny. And it took me (laughs) reading it like three times to be like, oh, my God,
1: it's hilarious. But yeah, I recommend it. I just feel so much pressure. No, don't you know? feel pressure. Like, what if I don't like it? Well, That's okay. I'm going to read your books. Very excited. Pride and Prejudice in Premeditation. Oh, thanks. We'll do a little plug for it right now. Tears' is book coming in March? March. March. Yeah. And it has a new cover, and it's amazing. She had it done so that it would match my new office chair, which is lime green. You did that on purpose, right? Just you said, for you. Listen, this has to match Liberty's new office chair.
2: I'm very excited to see it match your new office chair. Because of COVID, I didn't get advanced copies, so I still have not, like, held it in my hands. But I did find out that it went to press, so I'm, like, very excited to actually actually hold it. But yes, it'll be out in March. So, yay, something to look forward to.
1: I am also excited about being an adult and getting a lime green office chair. That's awesome. I was like, why would I pick a plain colored one when I could have one that you can see from space? Like, psh, makes sense to me. It'll totally offset your like hot pink one too. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So now the cats each have like a fluorescent chair to sit in my office and they don't have to fight <laughs> over the other one. Um, so, right, I love is, it. we are way off track now. <laughs> but it was fun. So I'm yes. going to cut us off. I'm going to say thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Sink, who has to do a lot of work today. <laughs> You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to let us know about your office chairs. You can find us online, Tirza Hangs Out on Twitter and Instagram at Tirza Price. That's T I R Z A H. P-R-I-C-E another person with a Z in their name I think I was just talking about these last week i just I'm jealous, I don't know why I'm so jealous of the letter Z if you want to give us a treat you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review it helps other book lovers to find us and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter in which I will talk about more books out this week that I love and in the meantime Happy reading. Happy reading.